Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Off the Bandwagon. I am, of course, Kev, and with me on the phone tonight is a sickly Sean B., so uh, apologies in advance if he coughs into your ears once or twice. Uh, he He's trucking through, though. Is that even a saying? Anyway, Sean. Truck, trucking through. Uh, but yeah, I just want to give you guys an apology ahead of time because there will probably be some calls here and there. We'll do my best to hold back, but I'm uh, pretty damn sick right now. But business needs to get done. So I wanted to uh, join Kevin Kev on this podcast. I'm a man through it. And I'm I'm glad that you did because I I, I have a question I really want to ask you. <coughs> And it's important yeah. because it involves your boy, your boy Boogie Woogie Woogie. Oh, okay. So there, there is some audio that I heard today. I uh, now I didn't hear Boogie's response, but let's just say it was a uh, a, a non PC response, the kind of response we we really dig here. Uh, but he was being heckled. Some some Laker fans were calling him Fat Boy and offering him donuts calling him Krispy Kreme, and, you know, after a while, he just kind of got fed up and uh, just said something back to him, and I kind of, I buried the lead here because I was going to ask you, Sean, uh, for those who don't know, Sean is our resident Raiders fan, and I happen to know that of all the teams and all the uh, players, I, Travis Kelsey might be at the very bottom of your NFL barrel. I know you hate that dude. I mean, you might hate anybody in a Chiefs uniform, but I know you hate you some Calvin or some Calvin, some Travis Kelsey. Am I wrong there? Yeah, I, no, you're not wrong. I just uh, well, I mean, hate's a strong word, I guess. Let, uh, okay. I respect him as a player, but I obviously don't like him for you know a couple reasons. The main reason being who he plays for, and just because I mean, honestly, I feel like he's a little overrated. Me being, you know, granted I'm not no fucking NFL caliber tight end by any means, but that's the position I used to play. Not with that and attitude. Like, I just, yeah, so I, I'm really, I'm really critical of like tight ends, and so like, I don't know, like he, he's overrated, man. Like he's not bad, but like I had him one year in fantasy, and he fucking, it just was terrible, man. I was mad as hell at him. So ever since then, I've had like a little small grudge against him, just because he kind of fucked up so yeah see and and thank you for that answer because this this indeed you are the correct choice here for for what i'm what i'm trying to get at (laughs) now so question for you if you see travis kelsey on the street what do you do like like this dude is at dinner where you're at dinner or he's he's leaving as you're walking out, but he's out with his friends. It's not Saturday night before a game. It's the off season. Dude's in like a suit jacket with no tie. You know, he's just relaxing. You see him on the street. What do you do? Do you do you say anything to him? Do you, I mean, are you a bit a little bit fanboyed because that's an NFL tight end right there? Walk me through that. I personally would not say shit to him just because I mean damn, we're adults I'm not gonna start fucking talking shit to him in the middle of the street because you know he's you know playing for the Chiefs it's just like I would probably not like I'm definitely not gonna ask for a fucking autograph 
I'm not going to like start some shit with them and cause a scene because I'm grown. You know, I feel like you know I'm a little more mature than that. But when he's when he's in the middle of it, you know, he's in a game and he's playing my Raiders. Yeah, I'm gonna be talking shit through him to the TV, you know, or through the TV to him. But if I follow him in the street, I'm not gonna start shit. That's just retarded to me. You know, I mean, he can't help. He got drafted by the Chiefs. That's not his fault. But uh, you know, it is what it is. So you wouldn't you wouldn't ask him for an autograph though on the other end of it. Hell you wouldn't no. go that route. Hell no. Hell no. I like that. Stands by it. Now, okay. Let's say you are out in Vegas in 2019 and you happen to catch a Raiders Chiefs game. And your seats just happen to be a couple of rows behind the Chiefs bench. And Travis Kelsey is, it's, it's either warm ups, you know, whenever. He's, he's in earshot. Are, are you, are you going to be catcalling? You, you got some, Stuff to get off your chest? Uh, it depends on if our um, defense has gotten better by then. Because if not, I might just be the reason that he eats our defense a lot. Because last year, man, he just balled on us because we don't have any linebackers that can cover tight ends. Our second, you know, our secondary in general is just poop. So, like, you know. If our secondary is sturdy, I might talk shit just because we're at the game and I'm hyped up. But if I know that there's a chance he can already have a big game, I'm not going to like try to add fuel to the fire to make him have a bigger game because he's pissed off or some dumbass fan like myself. So, yeah, it just depends, man. That can go either way. It just depends on the situation, dude. Okay, I will... I, I was asking because uh, I heard I first heard about this through uh, I was listening to ESPN Radio on the way home and it was Jalen and Jacoby love that show uh, credit where credit is due I heard the audio tape there and they both said that they were of the mind that these guy these two guys that were catcalling Boogie that if they saw him on the street if they saw him in L.A. later that night. They would be the same kind of guys that would, you know, get an Instagram picture with him because, my God, it's Boogie Cousins, after all. Right. And sort of talking to the hypocrisy of really what it is just to be a sports fan because, man, there's we're just all hypocrites in a whole lot of different ways when you think about it. And what a weird thing. Real quick sidebar. I think it's such a weird thing for people to get in fights over and to get upset with, like, for instance, you know, you you have proven via this brief interview section that you're a bit of a you're a reasonable sports fan, but there are people who get I saw people get knocked out after the World Series. Like there and you have like 98% of your life is in common. You live vicariously through a sports team. It's even the same sport. You were just born in a different city or your dad grew up in a different city and here you'll get drunk and knock someone's lights out. But right. or <laughs> cat call a dude who's worth forty million plus about eating Krispy Kremes. When that when let's be on Boogie, because I didn't see the two guys, but I will bet my next three years salary that Boogie Cousins is in better shape than the two dudes who are cat calling him about Krispy Kremes. Right. Like, like, so part part of it all was absurd to me. Uh what what do you think? Do you agree with those guys? Like do you think these sound like the kind of guys that would uh, 
if they saw Boogie after the game, they would ask him for a picture so they get a few more Instagram likes? Probably, yeah. Probably so. I mean, I don't, I don't know these dudes. It's far from me to say, but... Come on, man. If you're going to be on the radio, you got to just speculate wildly. I know. I mean, I'm just, just saying they probably would. Yeah, there you go. There I mean, you go. Just, yeah, just damn them. Light the fire. I'm here. Would. Yeah, they probably would. <laughs> they might even offer him a handy game somewhere, too. You never know. There there he is. There we go. Try to get that boogie-woogie worm, dude. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's kind of like some buster-ass dudes for real. Like, I don't even know why dudes from L.A. are hating on him. Like, dude, he played for Sacramento. It's not like he was a Laker or a Clipper. Like, why why are these dudes even, like, fucking with him? Like, that's what I want to know. And why, I, I mean... I think this is one of those situations where uh, dad gets yelled out by his boss so he comes home and takes it out on little Timmy because the Lakers are they're playing for last place. They traded away their leading scorer so they could continue to lose and, and shore up a good draft pick. They, they don't even want to be competitive. So I, I think these guys, I think if anything, probably were just looking to try to get attention at the very least, vicariously through being the cause of a boogie meltdown during an interview. So I absolutely think that these guys, if they ever saw uh, any Laker rival uh, on the street, they would get autographs, take pictures, Snapchat, all that stuff. Because I I think these were just some guys that were looking for attention in L.A. of all places. So big surprise there. I just can't believe that someone in L.A. would be so attention-hungry. That they would do that. Um, really, really sad moment for L.A. Really, really against their character. Right. Uh, speaking of... L.A. is just going through it right now, man. Yeah. Well, like, when they... their teams are worth their shit. Well, when they secede from America, I think things will work out. Because then we'll finally have international <laughs> sports teams like all the major leagues want. Uh, it's really... It's going to be a good play. I support it fully. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we mentioned things being out of character. I, I, we were talking before we got on air about this now infamous Michael Jordan quote. And for those who don't know, Michael Jordan, while promoting the fact that Jordan brand will be what the North Carolina football team wears on the field now, said... While, amongst other mumblings and ramblings, I feel it's needed to point out because we don't have the audio. Please go listen to the audio. Pause this, go listen to the audio, and come back. Okay, welcome back. So, now that you've heard Jordan mumbling, I kind of just want to be the guy who throws out maybe Jordan was a little hungover. He, I mean, well, Michael Jordan wouldn't have been nervous here, but he sounded a little off, and then he went on to say, the ceiling is the roof. So, he, he's MJ, he's going to get a pass, but we're a sports show, so let's just really overanalyze this and break it down and turn it into an issue. You okay with that? I'm cool with it, bro. Alright, so what do you think about Michael Jordan's alcohol problem? <laughs> I love it, dude. <laughs> it's very entertaining. It's Michael Jordan, man. Like, And when he gets drunk, he makes an ass of himself, and it's always... Entertaining. I I did not catch this conference you're talking about from the, with the way it sounds. It, it's something I definitely need to look into. 
So, um, yeah. So he said the roof hits the ceiling. Yeah. This, yep. the 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 ceiling is the roof. <laughs> which he said he said it with like a drunken tone. He like he just he was mumbling a bit. He, he sounded like a freshman in college giving their first communication speech, which to me made me, my first thought was, okay, well, this is MJ, so he's not going to be nervous. Not only is he an extremely confident man, just watch any all-star game or a dream team practice or a Bulls practice video or Michael at 45 playing NBA players one-on-one, just watch him talk that trash. Not only that, he's had cameras and microphones in his face his entire life. He was in Space Jam for the youngins out there. So... I don't think this was MJ being nervous. I've heard a lot of rumors about MJ getting drunk before things like, I don't know, Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Or no, maybe it was Game 4. But again, that was, I mean, Eastern. It wasn't like it was the NBA Finals. Uh, Also, some rumors that the uh, flu game may have actually been a hangover game. Again, I'm just here to wildly speculate. I don't really think... MJ was drinking right before he walked up to the podium. Uh, maybe it was a hangover. You just you got to play the t- the tape. The truth is in the tape. So give it a listen, Sean. And next time we're on air, we'll we'll get your take on it because it'll be weeks old news by then. So everyone else will have forgotten. So we'll remind them. Alright, it works for me, Brad. Because because you has MJ. you have seen as I have seen the. Uh, Man, I can't remember the guy's name on YouTube. Mike starts with the KR. Anyway, I'll put it. I'll put it in the link. Put it in the description. I mean, uh, he's put together those theories of Michael Jordan, his retirement being a suspension because of his alcohol and gambling problems. So it's an interesting yeah. conspiracy theory, and that's probably the only reason my mind went there. No one else is is even thinking this. But I mean, have you ever made a, a major like? What's the worst mistake you've ever made? public speaking because it really could have just been what some call a brain burp or a brain fart can you think of any like major slips you've made um well not really I'm actually (coughs) my public speaking game is pretty tight I can't think of uh, anything that I said that was like, whoa. <laughs> well, and, and you're modest, too, which which I love. I, I would turn, for me personally, it would actually be the very first episode of Bad Dinner Guest ever done. Shout out to Dijon, our, our former lead anchor, if you will. Back when it was Lou, Dijon, and myself, we had each come up, we were starting every episode with a rant, and we had each come up with... Um, what our rants were going to be, and I had mine memorized, and we, but I didn't have it written down because you know those are the rookie mistakes you make. And I told Dijon the order was going to be you know introduce Lou and then I'll go, and instead he introduces me first, and for some reason my mind goes completely blank, and I just cannot for the life of me remember this rant that I had been working on all week, but again forgot to write, didn't forget. I lazily decided not to write down. So I have this five-minute sort of just on-air meltdown. Not a real meltdown. I'm just like, can we please restart? I really messed that up. But we were live streaming, and Dijon lied about 
the restart. So it just rolled. So our very first episode, you can find it on YouTube. It's probably buried deep in the SoundCloud archives at this point. But yeah, so I've done it. I wasn't drunk or hungover or anything like that. So it does happen. But hey, this is MJ, you know? I, th- I, I smell conspiracy, and I'm going to follow it. I'll tell you guys what I find. So, M. Jizzy, that's, I like it. Well, before we move on to the big topic of the night, which will be the um, legal tampering is the term, which I can't wait to just get into just that part of it. I know you had some more NBA you wanted to talk, Sean. We do have a couple of listeners out there that are big Celtics fans, so I know how much you appreciate having that Celtics podium to talk on, so what do we got? Well, Trouble in paradise, I hear. Yeah, so Isaiah Thomas, after the Celtics blew their second double-digit lead in a row um, the other night to the, the Clippers, Either way, it doesn't matter who it was. They should have beat them. They had a double-digit lead on them going into the fourth quarter, and uh, Brad Stevens decided to switch up the rotations a bit, and they ended up losing the game. So Isaiah Thomas called out Brad Stevens, saying that game 63 isn't the time to experiment. And he's pretty much, you know, called out him, Dick Crowder, um, all them dudes pretty much was just uh, – He's pretty pissed off about it. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to ask your opinion. Do you feel like he was out of line, or do you feel like he had a right at this point? Yes, that is the short answer. So, there, there are two parts to this. First of all, he's not wrong in his opinion, but... This is probably the worst way to handle it, and it's what we get for the 24-hour news cycle that we've created, because he's talking to reporters before he's talking to his coach. You know, they're right there post-game, and that's something that should be said, If it's especially if it's going to be said in the moment, that needs to be said in the locker room, man-to-man. Yeah, that's I don't. That's not something that you just put out there. That then coach has to hear about it the next morning on the radio on his way in. So, or I mean, who am I kidding? When he turns on TV before he goes to bed. So, I I think this will could do more harm than good. It's one of those situations where the Cavs are rocky because. You don't know exactly when Kevin Love comes back or what he comes back as. And while the Cavs have been strong, they haven't won the title with in the years that their big three hasn't been intact. So they, they signed Bogut. For anybody who hasn't caught that one yet, he had played 58 seconds before he broke his leg. And so there goes that. Now they're going to have to cut him and, and find another solution. To, wow. to to that problem, so it, 
the timing is right for the Celtics or the Raptors to go make a push and at the, you know try to get themselves in a position where they have the momentum for when they run into the Cavaliers and the and so I, I get what he's saying you know he, he he understands how important these wins are but when you say something like that to a reporter and it goes to the locker room that way like that to me that's not being a good leader to me if you want to be the man then you you tell your guys that and then I'm not saying you have to be the company guy and walk the line and not speak your opinion. I am anti that. What I'm I'm just saying, say it to your people first. Say it to the guys that you work with and deal with all the ups and downs on a daily basis. You, tell tell them first. Don't tell the reporters first. I'm I'm all about telling the reporters. Just do it that night. Do it the next morning. Uh, again, I don't think it's so much his fault, though. How would any of us react in, in the frustrated situation than have eight microphones shoved in our face right afterwards? Um, I, uh, what, what about you personally? I mean, these are your boys. This is your, this is your squad. Uh, is, are you worried about it? I, I love Brad Stevens. I, I think an older coach doesn't get this kind of slack. I also would like to add, um, those two guys might be about the same age for all I know. Uh, that's obviously a joke, but you know what I'm saying? Like if Brad Stevens is a relatively young guy, he's only been in the NBA for two years. I think, I, I don't think you ever would have caught Chauncey Billups saying this ab- about Larry Brown is all I'm saying. Uh, well, let me say this. I, I agree with Isaiah Thomas. I understand frustration. I also agree with you that, you know, time and place, like he could have said that not in public. But the thing about Brad Stevens is, I think he's a great coach. Like, I feel like what he's done for the organization is awesome. Like, he's he's really made some good calls as far as uh, players to cut, players to pick up. You know, David, uh, old baby, really takes his opinion uh, in a, into a consideration a lot when it comes to shit like that. I mean, Brad Stevens knows basketball, man. Like, he... He knows his game. He's a genius. Like, he really is. Like, he's a brilliant coach. I feel like he's got a great future. Hopefully it's with the Celtics. Because, like I said, I like him. I don't want to see him go nowhere. But I do feel like maybe he should try to take Isaiah Thomas's words into consideration because he's got a point, man. Like, you guys are trying to make a playoff push. You're trying to get the highest seed you possibly can at this point. Like, it's not time to be fucking off, man. You know, what you guys have done so far has been working. Like, well, why do you need to try to experiment now? So, I mean, I feel like, you know, he needs to just kind of reevaluate the situation a bit because, I mean, yeah, I mean, Isaiah Thomas can handle it better, but he had a point. You know, it's it's a legit point. So, hopefully, Brad Stevens uh, and him have a little one-on-one and they can come to a solution. I don't feel like it's going to be a big issue. I don't feel like it's going to get out of control or nothing. Like, they'll figure it out. It's just a matter of when they figure it out. Hopefully it's sooner than later. But yeah, that's why I stand that on it. Well, I, before we move on from this, I, I kind of want to throw out, throw in a few more counterpoints because while, while I, I agree with you and Isaiah on the, on the idea that the reason, <coughs> the reason behind thinking now's not the time to be messing around other people might argue that 
Now, maybe the lead needs to be a little bit larger. You know, maybe you don't do it with a 12-point lead uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, Maybe it's a game you have well in hand that you do it. But you're running out of time to see if any of your younger bench guys have what it takes to, to be useful in certain spots. Now, let's use the Cavs, for instance. They're scrambling about signing a 15th roster player. You know, Andrew Bogut is not he's, – he's a guy who's going to log maybe 15 to 20 minutes a game. But it's about once you hit the playoffs, you can't add anyone else. So you are stuck with your rotation. So if guys go down, do you want young prospects? Do you want those eighth and ninth guys on the bench to have to see the floor for the first time in the Eastern Conference Finals? Or would you rather throw them out with a 12-point lead? in a game that you think you can handle. So I guess that would be my counterpoint to that, is you're running out of opportunities in which to try it. So unless you plan on running seven or eight deep all through the playoffs, and if you do that, good luck to you, then I don't know when I don't know what else you're, you're supposed to do here. My other counterpoint would be the underlying message here, and if he has any sensitive teammates on that bench, uh, the underlying message here was that not everyone in the locker room is trusted because what he's essentially, not only was he calling out his coach, he's saying that his coach is putting in the wrong players and putting in players that aren't good enough to win. Um, that's putting a little, that's putting a few words in his mouth, but if you, you're his, if, if I'm this, if, if I go on the air tomorrow and do a solo podcast and say, that I'm doing it because I don't think that the, you and I are the right combination. You're not going to be offended by that? It's apples and oranges, I, would, I admit. I'd probably laugh about it, to be honest with you, just because I know you. <laughs> That's fair. <I> <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if we were, I don't know, it just depends. I mean, I'm sure, like, there's teammates on his squad, especially younger players, they're fairly new to the team. They are as close as you and I. So, I mean, I guess there are some people on his team that probably would take it personal. But, you know, if he was, if me and Isaiah Thomas have been playing ball together for like five or six years, I would probably know how to take it. You know what I mean? I feel like I would know him well enough. At least I'd like to think I would to know when he's, when he's actually targeting me and when he's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't think he was saying that those players could be trusted. I'm just, you know, I think really what he's getting at is timing. You know, if you, I don't think he cares, if, you know, they experiment a bit, but it's just the timing, dude. Why didn't they do that earlier in the season when the season was still young? You know, at this point in the season, man, like, you know, it's, you know, it's all about that seeding, man. So it's like, you know, if he was going to experiment, they should have been doing that, you know, back in fucking October and November. Like, not in fucking March, dude, when, you know, playoffs are right around the corner. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, certain people are going to take it a certain way, but I don't think it was meant to be a diss to anybody necessarily. I just think he was frustrated. Like you said, he got off the game where he was pissed about it. He got a bunch of fucking mics in his face, and I think he just blew off steam. I think, you know, I don't think he – I think if he was – was to do that same interview like the day after, I think he would have handled it differently, personally. But, I don't know. <laughs> that, uh, one last thing on this, I, I want to say that I truly hope this entire thing blows up because I want, I want 
your coach back in Indiana. I want Brad Stevens back in Indiana. He needs to come home, be where he belongs, and coach the Indiana Pacers to glory. Just like Butler. You know, the, the Pacers are like a mid-major of the NBA, and that's what we need. The The Celtics don't need the, the next great coach. Like, just pass on him. Get uh, Paul Pierce or Kevin Garnett, you know, somebody to come out of retirement. Kendrick Perkins. You know, just hire hire a former Celtics great to be your coach, or Antoine Walker. Dude. There we go. Now we're talking. Now, now we're cooking with oil. <laughs> Maybe nah, definitely not Rajon Rondo, but uh, fuck that. <laughs> so in in line with experimentation, one of the one of the big differences between the NBA and the NFL, other than tackling and pads and helmets and brain damage uh, is the free agent period. So the NFL has their free ag- free agency period right now. Uh, so they're done watching a bunch of 22-year-olds jump around in their underwear, and now they are legally tampering with other companies' employees, which I think is funny uh, that the league just embraced it. It's not... It's not anything we can stop, so let's just allow this day for you to do something that is otherwise illegal. Um, it's not it's not illegal if we don't press charges. So I constitute, you know, I'd like to pass a notion, you know, maybe uh, if you're going to do that, maybe everybody should get a free pass on a speeding ticket. You know, everybody gets one sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, let's go with this. If they're, you know, we need to use more legal loopholes in our life. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, I like I like your notion to get the free the the yeah speeding ticket pass. I like that. Yeah, let's let's do something here. I mean, these guys these guys are all millionaires talking to other millionaires over a, a twelve hour allowed. head start. Right. right. My bad. Do go ahead. Oh no no no! That's I was uh. uh I figured we should rip the the big band-aid off first. Everybody else is talking about Mike Glennon. So let's talk about Mike Glennon, the a guy who the Bears and Jets are in a bidding war over. And it appears the Bears are going to win that bidding war and the number I keep hearing is up to 15 million a season for Mike Glennon. What the fuck? What are your thoughts and also why? So, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa, that's my thought. Whoa, just whoa, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like whoa, and it's not, ooh, it's whoa. Ooh, uh, that's that's a bad start. I think that's fucking ridiculous, personally. Um, dude, I haven't seen him play enough to really judge him but uh didn't he start the season before Jameis came yes he did that was his so that rookie was year why they drafted Jameis right no I mean the reason why they drafted Jameis I would have to say is because they had the number one overall pick and that would be like the I mean, he just was the guy that you take at number one. You know, if 
if the Colts hadn't gone one and fifteen, whoever else had that number one pick was going to take Andrew Luck. Uh, I think Jameis was the same way. Uh, he he was that cornerstone franchise quarterback. So while you may like Mike Glennon, you don't you don't pass on Michael Jordan because your roster needs a center. You know, there I think they were just kind of trying to make sure they didn't make a big mistake there, and it's better to have two than one. I, now, granted, if Mike Glennon had been rookie of the year, okay, maybe they don't go that way. Maybe they trade down and get two first-round picks or something. So, obviously, he didn't do enough to make them, because he was only a rookie, so you can definitely make that argument. He didn't do enough to make them think he was the guy. Uh, so, yeah. there's definitely that there. But $15 million, though, a year? That's what you're going to... unproven. Yeah. I mean, it's. I suppose it's just the market, though, because the thing is, is there are more teams in the NFL right now that need quarterbacks than there are quarterbacks that are going to give you a chance to get to the playoffs. Right. You know, we... Uh, I talked about Jay Cutler last time, and there aren't many options for him, especially considering he wants a perfect situation. So if we're assuming that is, that he wants to win, then his options are basically whichever team doesn't pick Tony Romo between Houston and Denver. And then you got to decide on if either team is willing to take that chance with Cutler. So you can basically rule him out for any of these, yeah. for the Jets, definitely, obviously for the Bears, uh, rule him out for the Browns. No way of picking up Cutler at all. No, and I mean, for anyone who's forgotten, he has, that's a been there, done that kind of thing. That didn't work well last time. Um, they, there's a reason he was able to go to Chicago. Um, he did. It didn't work in Denver. I don't think he's not known as a as a good leader. So I don't know that he's the right fit for that offense. Uh, X and O wise, he is absolutely the right fit for that offense because he can throw it down the field. He can spread the field out, open up the run game. The defense can do the rest. You can, when you have a defense like Denver's, you can live with the gunslinger mentality of Jay Cutler, and you can get away with those mistakes he'll make. But he's just, he's not the right fit uh, for that for that franchise. But the thing about Mike Glennon is, as far as all the other backups go, with Jimmy Graps off the table, and even if he was, because the Patriots said he was off the table, that's at least saying it's going to take a lot to get him. Um, saying they'd rather keep him, so you're going to have to give up a lot. You're going to have to give up multiple firsts probably and someone who's actually going to produce in order to get that. So that's cheaper than $15 million probably in the long run. Um, and the thing yeah. is, is, like if you're right, you're right, though. You know, if you're, if you're right on Mike Glennon, then... Fair fifteen million a year, then okay. At least it's not. Uh, the Texans paid Brock Osweiler twenty one million last year, and they'll be paying him sixteen million this year to hold a clipboard. Right. So it's not that bad. Um, it's just sort of uh, where we're at. It's the market for the position. If you were the Bears, though, would. Are you surprised they they weren't ju- they're not just trying to get someone in the draft? Do you think they will still try to draft one of the big three 
but I'm going to defend it anyway. So, a, a couple of thoughts. One, how many quarterbacks in this league would you personally, as a GM, take over Jameis Winston? Like, just off the top of your head, doesn't have to be, you know, just general ballpark. How many quarterbacks would would you rather have to build your team going forward than Jameis? No, literally anybody. So obviously you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've got Brady. I mean, you're only going to have him for two, three years, but I'm still assuming you're going to take that for the the short term win potential. Uh, you know, I imagine Andrew Luck's up maybe around there. But literally, of all the quarterbacks in the league, who would you take above Jameis Winston if it's a fantasy draft right now? It's time to pick your quarterback. Everybody's on the board. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Anybody else? Yeah, Marcus Mariota. All right. Um, Connor Cook. You take Connor Cook totally, over Jameis Winston? Totally joking. <laughs> <laughs> totally joking. Uh, uh, no, I would take... Uh, Carson Wentz, probably. I'm not gonna lie, they're probably taking over Jameis. I don't like Jameis though, man. I'm kind of modest. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I would take just about anybody over Jameis Winston. Okay. I just don't like. I, I okay. I, that's that's gonna be the disconnect to my argument here because my argument was, you can't have being Jameis Winston's backup as a negative to Mike Glennon really in this case because there are probably only. I would argue eight or nine quarterbacks in the entire NFL you'd rather have that you would start over Jameis Winston if you had them both on your roster. So that puts Mike Glennon in a really wide range from there because I do believe if you would if you put all the quarterbacks currently on NFL rosters in a shuffle 
and parcel them out amongst the teams. I imagine Glennon probably is right around that top 30 range at least, which is saying to me that he at least, as it stands right now, is an NFL quarter, starting quarterback. He's just not based, he's just not in the right situation. Now, he, you are not wrong either. We look at Matt Castle, Matt Flynn, Tavares Jackson, uh, just number of times. Osweiler's just the newest one. And you don't have as many uh, when you're looking at there aren't as many times where the backup has come in for somebody and actually been successful. Uh, Matt Schaub going to Houston was one. Uh, he did, I, I know it, it tapered off towards the end, but he did put up some, some good years there. Uh, they had some good teams. I, I think that overall was a successful uh, one of the few times bringing someone's backup over to be your starter has worked out. And another counterpoint, uh, Cannell mentioned this on Rosillo and Cannell. Uh, I'd just like to give the credit where it's due because uh, I had not thought of this on my own. But, you know, Russell Wilson transferred from NC State because he lost his job to Mike Glennon. So there's also that. So, and he, he put up decent college numbers. I'll, I'm just saying when you look at uh, Trubisky, who you've got a, a year's worth of tape on, uh, where they where they're sitting, they're probably not going to get. There's a good chance they don't get Deshaun Watson. As a Notre Dame fan, I don't understand this Deshaun Kaiser first round talk. I think this is just what happens when the quarterback pool is weak. There's a guy who's never taken a snap under center in college. Brian Kelly's offense is a terrible fit for the NFL. He may have the athletic tools. He has been. He was a decent quarterback there, but he's uh, going to be a golf type where he's better off not seeing the field for at least a year. So when I'm the Bears and I'm looking around, I can't get Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, there's A.J. McCarron. You've got Barkley, but... This Glennon guy sitting here, and he, I don't remember his yardage numbers, but his rookie year he threw for 19 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So he was, he was just average. But he average. For 2,600 yards that year. 2,600. So yeah. Yeah. Really, uh, the yardage wise, I would say that's subpar. I mean, I think you're you're looking to hit 3,000. But that's a rookie in a new system. That's not awful. Um, it's really not bad, man, honestly. It's, it, to me, I agree with you the price is high. I'm just saying it is slim pickings out there. And sometimes that's just the way it works. You know, people get paid what they don't necessarily deserve because jobs need filled. You see it in the corporate world all the time. Uh, when a job opens up at the right time, someone unqualified may get that job because you the company can't go on without that position. So uh, I don't disagree with you on the Barkley thing, but I, as far as you, you knew they were going to make a move, I don't hate this move. I really don't. I'm not, I wouldn't have made it necessarily, but hey, it's a move. Uh, another another point to add to, to your side is the Jets bowed out in this bidding war. So, I mean, I mean they – that kind of tells you something, doesn't it? You know, these same guys offered fat contracts to Forte. I mean, they'll offer a deal to just about anybody else, but they, they decided to – this was too rich for their blood. So, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them. They're, they have a lot of other shit they need to focus on, too, man. They, they got a lot of young QBs that they can develop. I don't understand why they're even trying to fuck with someone like Lennon in the first place. Let's, uh... I want to bust through some of these easier ones because there's one that you brought up and I really want to kind of end on that note because I think it's I think it's one we can talk about at length. So the easiest one I think on our list was Dante Hightower. I personally think he will very likely take a bargain deal and just stay at home. Uh, what do you think? There, you think anybody's stealing him away from the Patriots? I think he's coming back. I think because he knows that there's no other team that he has a better chance to win a Super Bowl with than the Patriots. Like, they're just, you know, that's where his, that's the best place for him if he's trying to get rings. But uh, I, I, there's been rumors that he might go to the Raiders, and I'm just going to go ahead and shut that down right now. That's not going to happen because he's going to want way too much money, and we just ain't got the money to give him. So that's definitely not happening. Uh, it's been rumors of other teams, like the Vikings were trying to check them out, um, shit like that. But I just, yeah, I think he's going to end up back in New England. Like, rumor is that he is definitely going to test the market, but there's a great chance that he'll end up back in New England. They'll probably end up matching whatever comes his way. But we shall see. The, I thought we could run through these quickly, but as I'm looking, I don't have really set answers for a lot of these. It's but let, let's try to let's try to see uh, where do you think AP ends up. I don't have much foresight here. What do you, what do you have? Um, there's also the rumors of him going to the Raiders. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's not going to happen. No. Uh, I don't, see, I just got to get this off the chest. I love Adrian Peterson. Like, when he was an Oklahoma dude, like, I really was a fan. Like, I thought he was a dope-ass back. And when he came into the league, I was like, holy shit, man. Uh, he's amazing. And if, if this was, like, six or seven years ago, I'd been all about it. But I don't want him coming to the Raiders. Just because, was, I mean, he's older now. He's about 32. Last year, I mean, before he got hurt, he was on the decline anyways. Um, he needs to go somewhere where he can be more of a complimentary back. I don't really think he's a starter anymore. I know a lot of people are going to throw shit at me for that, but I just don't think he's a starting caliber anymore, man. I think he just kind of needs to take it easy on his body. He could definitely be a powerful, like, third down back or some shit. Um, as far as where he's going, um, I don't know. The rumor right now is that Oakland and Seattle are like have the most interest in him but I just like I said I don't think Oakland's gonna get him um I would think either Seattle or Vikings might try to bring him back I know there's some talk in New England there for a while but I don't think they're gonna go after him but uh I, yeah I don't know what you think man I think Seattle is the most realistic or at least the one that my gut tells me is the most likely to happen because that really, he doesn't have to be the old AP there. You know, they they do have Rawls, and I believe they got 
Christian Michael back for what is it the third or fourth time. So they have a couple they they've got enough guys there to keep him fresh to where he doesn't have to be in every down back cuz I tend to agree with you. He's definitely he's not an every down back anymore. I think he can still start because especially with certain teams, but if we're looking at playoff contenders, uh not that I I don't think I think he would be useful in Oakland. I think that would be helpful to that backfield to have a guy like him. Um, they clearly use a lot of different backs there because they have a lot of guys that do different things. Um, New England, I, I imagine Blunt is just going to come back. I, I don't I don't know that they'll take on. I don't think they want to change too much. They, they don't need to. Um, we'll talk about Brandon Marshall here soon. That's alleged to happen. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Seattle here, and uh, I'm just going to – Gonna lock that one in. Yeah. Final answer. Yeah, I like that pick. I'm gonna roll with you on that because I uh, cherry picker. Well, no, uh, <laughs> if, he went to, if he went to Seattle, man, he'd be reunited with Daryl Bevel, who I don't know if you remember, but he was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings from like 2006 to I want to say 2010, maybe 2011, something like that. I like, he was there when Peterson was drafted, so like. You know, out of those years, those were really good years for Andrew Peterson. So, with him being in that same type of offense again, that might be intriguing for him. But uh, there was an article posted earlier today that uh, Andrew Peterson's dad was saying that uh, AP was most interested in Oakland and Seattle. Oakland being that he really likes the line. I guess he's went on record saying that he really likes the offensive line. But my thing with that, man, is we just ain't got the money to give, dude. Like, you would have to take a pay cut, man. Like, because we got a Derek Carr extension coming up, a Gabe Jackson extension. We'll probably end up uh, waiting until next year to do Khalil Mack. But next year we'll have Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper up for extensions. Like, we just ain't got money to be tossing dudes, man. So I don't think it's going to happen. That's fair. What about I, I know I just mentioned him, but what about what do you think about Brandon Marshall? A lot of talk about the Patriots. Obviously, that's another situation where he's gonna have to take a pay cut. Um, yeah. I think he really, I think he would fit in. I, I think he would. We saw if if Randy Moss can do it for a year, uh, then Brandon Marshall can do it. You know, I, as far as playing the Belichick Belichick way and kind of backing down from the microphone for a year. He was a guy who's never been to the playoffs. So I really think that's going to be his key motivator. Do you think there's anybody else that has a chance to steal Marshall away? (coughs) Nothing's really coming to mind, man. Maybe Philly, but they're not a contender, and I'm pretty sure he's trying to go to a contender. Um, I can see New England trying to swoop him. But like you said, it'd definitely be a pay cut situation because New England ain't got a lot of dough to be tossing out either right now. So, I mean, he would definitely have to take a pay cut. And I don't know if, if, I don't know if his character will lie or do that, man. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think it'd be pretty funny if he wound up at the Browns, dude. That'd be funny as fuck. You know, the Brownies. Hey, I mean, Browns, they managed to snake Tyrod Taylor from the Bills. 
Uh, seems like they're going to maybe let Terrell Pryor get away, which is ridiculous. You know, bring bring Brandon Marshall in. At least, at least have a little fun when they win five games next year. Yeah. So, wait, Tyron Taylor is going to Cleveland? No, 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 no. That's, that's just uh, speculation and wishful thinking for Cleveland fans. There's, it's the the book's not out on Tyrod yet with with Buffalo, but the rumor going around is that the the GM seems to favor Cardell Jones as the starter going into next year. So it sounds like they've officially given up on the EJ Manuel project, but uh, Cardell, I mean, he had three good games in college, so um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's gonna be better than Mike Glennon. We'll see. But <laughs> Tyrod may be on the market, and I believe that's another situation where the Browns' offensive coordinator, or there's a Browns assistant that was his quarterback's coach in Baltimore. So uh, they, they, he's, that's a potential landing place for him. I don't know if you'd go – again, I, it's hard to put yourself in, in anybody's shoes here because you imagine – but it's us, you know. We don't play professional sports, so all we could think about is is winning. But at the end of the day, like this is how these guys p- keep the lights on. So there, there's that too. Um, we look at the amount of money they make and just kind of laugh at the idea that that would ever be a factor. Um, seeing as a lot of sports fans I know would probably pay to play in the NFL, uh, but it's it's still part of the ordeal. Um, and and. In light of wasting money, I tend to think that the Colts are going to end up signing Jamal Charles because it just sounds like a Colts thing to do. Uh, they've really been scrambling for a running back. The Colts, since Adrian James have left, kind of feel like the Browns of running backs. Like It's just where uh, potential goes to die or worn-out stars go You know, to just kind of chill for the last couple of years uh but realistically do you think anybody offers jamal charles in the offseason or is this more of a maybe if someone tears an acl in the preseason he'll get a look uh i don't think anybody was going to want to take a multi-million dollar chance on him you might get like a one-year offer from a team it'll be like a team-friendly deal um that may happen but as far as who it may happen from, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I'm sure some teams are going to look at him. It'd be silly not to at least check him out. I mean, especially, I mean, he would be good to have for like a backup running back. You know, I wouldn't put my money to bank on him as a starter just because, I mean, that dude breaks his fucking ankle trying to tie his shoe. Like, he's fragile as fuck. But it, he's talented, man. And at the end of the day, teams are going to really think of, you know, going to want to give him some type of look. Uh, but I don't know what you think, man. Um, as sad as it is, that Colts thing might be real. But uh, I could see maybe the Giants calling. He would kind of fit what they like to do, uh, maybe fill that role that Shane Vereen never did. They, 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 they seem to like Paul Perkins there, and I... Th- the jury's still out with me on Perkins. I don't think we've seen a big enough sample, but if you can get a guy like Jamal Charles, the thing is, I don't know how much of a discount you're going to get. I think 
he will he might be a later in the window signing. I think what's going to happen is Jamal Charles is going to have a reality check in these first few weeks because outside of his injuries, he he has a lot of stats he can hold his hang his hat on. You know, uh, he probably believes he should still be a starter and still get paid starters money, and there's no reason he shouldn't believe that. Uh, he he got injured. It's not like it's his production hasn't declined much, but the reality is as you've stated it, and it's I I see him just we're not going to hear much on him getting a deal signed anytime soon. I think it's he will go somewhere, but I think it's going to be later in the in this free agency period. I don't think he makes it to the preseason without being on a roster cuz I agree with you there there are some teams that could use his services. I mean, maybe even to stay in the NFC East if the Redskins who we'll get to in a minute if they don't completely implode and rebuild um they they've always just sort of had a revolving door of backs, so who who's to say he couldn't come in there and start for two years? But uh, I really think I really like the Giants now. Now that I've thought about it seriously, uh, that I think would be a great fit. Uh, I I mentioned uh, the Redskins, and we'll, we'll get to the major one in, in a second. But uh, Deshaun Jackson, do you think do you think he's going to draw any major attention? Deshaun Watson or Kaiser? No, Deshaun Jackson. Redskins. Oh, yeah, no, you're good. Um, well, rumor has it that uh, Oakland's looking at him for like a slot receiver. Um, we do need a third receiver. Um, honestly, that's really the only rumor I've heard as far as he's concerned. Um, he'll definitely, I mean, he's definitely going somewhere. You know, I don't, I don't really know any teams that would necessarily need him. <laughs> Back to pick up off top, but like I said, I know I would, I would welcome him in Oakland. I'll say that. I'm, I'm that gonna. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. I'd welcome him in Indianapolis, but then what would happen is he'd play three games and break his collarbone on a fly route, and uh, eventually get cut and sign with New England and win a Super Bowl. So, <laughs> so well, I, I think he's in a similar boat to Charles, where I, I don't know that he goes in the first few days. A guy that I think will definitely go in these first few days, but I'm not certain where, is Alshon Jeffrey. Where, I mean, Tennessee's a potential fit. I've heard Carolina. Uh, I've even heard the Jets, but I don't buy into that one. What are some potential landing spots for Alshon Jeffrey in, on your board? Uh, I'll think of Miami. Um, okay. I like that yeah. one, too. Yeah, Miami, maybe Buffalo, pairing with Watkins. Um, or trade Watkins for a third-round pick. <laughs> maybe you'll get a guy uh, who can play every every week. Yeah. No shit. I've even heard uh, possibly the Browns, man, but I don't know um, how that would work. Um, I think I'll... Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say I think Al's had his fair share of losing. I don't I don't see Cleveland as a reality. No. No, he wants to probably go somewhere where he's gonna win at least like six or seven games. <laughs> or at least be able to like watch 
then win six or seven games while he's nursing an injury somewhere. He um, had, I mean, he he's had a couple injuries here and there. He the time he missed at the end of the season was for suspension. So, um, there's also that. Not that's not that that's any better, but it is what it is. Um, so we've hit the hour mark. And I feel like it's a good time to get close to wrapping up, and so we've got our, our big finale for the legal tampering special, and that's your boy, Dirty Kirk Cousins. What? What? How do you think this plays out? Uh, I think he's going to San Fran. I mean, a lot of that's you know rumor based, but I honestly can see it because Mike Shanahan be over there. He really likes Kirk. And uh, as it stands right now, 49ers don't have any QB at all. So bringing him in would make sense. And uh, from what I hear, Redskins aren't too high on him right now. So, but my thing is if they give him up, you know, who the fuck are they going to have behind, you know, center? Like, I don't know. Maybe there, there's some talk that they're trying to get rid of Kirk for uh that number two draft pick, they might swoop up a quarterback there. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it's, I could definitely see it playing out somewhat like that uh, just because both of those teams don't have a lot of faith in their decision-making as far as trades and trades goes. So, I can see some silly shit going down between them. Well, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I also think it's worth <sighs> noting that Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson are both likely out, so there go there goes his two primary weapons. They clearly don't want to commit to Cousins because they're thinking about putting the franchise tag on him again, uh, and that's getting expensive. Then you're gonna have paid him. Obviously, we think you 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 definitely. I imagine, and I tend to also have to agree. Wow, I just really butchered that statement. But what I was trying to spit out is that Kirk Cousins is better than Mike Glennon. But there's they paid Cousins. If they franchise tag him again, it'll average out at like over $20 million a year. Um, they clearly don't want to sign him to a long-term deal. So, yeah, if it's it's shit or get off the pot time for them. And if if you're going to get off the pot, get, get some value. So I, uh, I think that's the only scenario in which I really see him getting moved. I don't see a dark horse coming in and trading for Cousins because I don't think a lot of people in the league really have a lot of faith in Cousins. For some reason, he's just got that average feel. Like, you know, he just did, there just seems to be something where nobody else seems to be drinking the Cousins Kool-Aid. Right. Yeah, I mean... That's the same vibe I'm getting from around the league, too. A lot of people don't seem to be interested in them. You know, some of them, I mean, the games I've seen them play, it looks good, but I, mean, I, I kind of have to agree with you. I don't think he has that superstar caliber to him, man. Like, I don't really see him being a franchise guy. I see him being a dependable starter until you find your franchise guy, but I don't think he's the one that you build around. But San Fran doesn't really have a whole lot of options, so I can kind of see them being desperate enough to take a chance on him 
<laughs> like I said earlier, with old Mike Shanahan thing too. Like I can see that going down. <laughs> well, that's the other, their other option seems to be to bring Matt Schaub over from Atlanta and talk about a bridge quarterback. You know, you you draft if they go the draft route and take Deshaun Watson, then I think you're really hoping he can start at the beginning of his second year. I don't know that Matt – I mean, Matt Schaub is also getting up there in years. I don't know that he makes it through a full season or that the fans don't get restless like they did in L.A. and force an unready rookie quarterback out into the field. You know, so much just thought about, man, is I, don't, I haven't really read much on it lately, but I know Teddy Bridgewater should be about a damn near rehabilitated, man. If he's healthy this year – Wonder what's going to happen with him and Bradford. Like, he's one. I wonder. Like, maybe they'll try to swing one of them out. I don't know. So, I, if, yeah. if I were the, ooh, and they both have such a riddled injury history that I don't know who I would move. But Bradford at least got through the last couple of seasons. So, I, if I were the Vikings, I would tend to almost want to move Teddy. I don't, he hasn't gotten through a full NFL season yet. He he. Did you know, he get through his rookie year? Uh, I well, I don't know. Uh, we'd have to fact check. Um, I, I don't have it. Don't have it pulled out in front of me. But his is the most recent injury. I he definitely has the higher ceiling. His ceiling is the roof, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But yes, <laughs> But the the Vikings. It, it really depends on where they they feel that they are because they're letting AP walk. If they're in a rebuild scenario or maybe more of a reload scenario, getting rid of one of these QBs could help them shore up a position where they are lacking because they let AP walk, but there no one out there is thinking that Jarek McKinnon and Matt Asiata are the answer at running back. So somebody's going to come to fill that void. And they're probably going to draft a running back, probably. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough spot that they're in because the odds say that one of those two quarterbacks will get hurt and you'd benefit from having the other one there and ready to go. That being said, when you have an excess of assets, usually the best move is to get something you don't need with what you have more of. So I don't I don't know. If it were me, I'd move one because eventually they get broken to the point they're not worth anything. Right. I, uh, I do have one question I want to ask you before we wrap it up. It's a Colts question. Oh. I saw recently that uh, uh, the Colts are rumored to be going after uh, Dalvin Cook, the running back from uh, Florida State. How would you feel about that pickup in the draft first round? I, uh, I was hoping this wasn't the question. <laughs> I want it so badly that I am just certain that it won't happen. I just I I don't think he's gonna last that long now that because it's it's been out there. People keep talking about it. Uh, it's between him and Fournette as far as who people think the best the better back's gonna be. Uh, I I would love it. I think it might finally help solve one of the biggest problems. Indianapolis has had for the last decade. That defense 
Yeah, I know they need some help on defense, but if it were me, if Cook is there, I'd take Cook in the first round, and then I'd go defense every single round, maybe take a receiver, one receiver late, since one of one of those guys always ends up hurt. They did just re-sign Jack Doyle today, so they got their second leading receiver back. Um, I, yeah, they really need some O-line help. There, there's a lot, there are a lot of holes on this team. It it got covered for several years because the rest of the AFC South was in shambles. Now that those teams are halfway decent, the Colts are exposed. Uh, but in having Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, a couple of good tight ends, and Cook really kind of helps you mask that again, and they could easily win the AFC South just with that draft pick, I think. I hope it works out for you guys, man. That'd be pretty sexy. Don't jinx it. You guys still have Frankie on the the bench coming in as a backup. Get that bum off my TV. (laughs) I'm just, you know, know, Frank Gore's a legend, but I I just, he's not the answer either. I mean, he he gets like 63 yards a game. Uh, he's He's not the threat he used to be. And it might be the O-line. It might not even be him. Uh, that O-line uh, is, oof, like Olive Garden breadstick soft, man. Well, let me ask you this then. I mean, if you guys were to get Dalvin Cook, do you think he would be productive considering you guys' O-line is bullshit? I, I think so because it's uh, it's sort of like a, a chess move now on offense. They, they've al- They've always had the aerial threat. Uh, they've never had the balance of the running game. So if they can open it up, then there's the chance that the, you know they open it up early. A lot of teams use the run to set up the pass. It is equally possible to do the the inverse. You know you set up the pass, you set up the run by passing it a bunch, and then you know you line up in the shotgun or the pistol and you run it a couple of times. Next thing you know you've gained you're averaging six yards a carry. Next thing you know, it comes down to the fourth quarter and you're able to run the ball. Um, so uh, they're going to need to make some moves on the line. I hope they draft at least a couple of guys. But I, I think he'd be effective enough. I mean, he's not going to be Donald Brown out there. And even, like I said, Frank Gore didn't light the world on fire, but he was close to 1,000 yards every year in Indiana so far. So he's still been relatively productive. He's still averaging... Probably three and a half, four yards of carry. And that's basically offensive standards. That's keeping you on schedule. Right. Well, sir, that about wraps it up for me. I appreciate you hacking up and, and getting through this. It was, uh, I enjoyed it. You, uh, you going to be back on with another Raiders flavor soon? I know you've got your solo podcast rolling on our youtube channel yeah i need to figure out a couple things man uh as far as like what's going on because that episode was actually like 12 minutes long and it somehow only uploaded like four minutes so i kind of need to figure that out a little bit um but yeah the plan is to keep that show rolling um i enjoy doing it so that's definitely part of the plan 
What's going on with some Kenny Castello shit? That that is what is up. I am uh, I'm currently working on a uh, bad dinner guest project. I guess I'll uh, give you a little sample of it. I uh, the next podcast I'll probably do a sports ones beforehand, but. I, I'm doing the the 50 states as people you knew in high school. So, for instance, Florida would be that weird teacher that would massage female students' shoulders too long. Um, <laughs> California would be the, the the dumb rich kid who still passes because uh, his dad pays for half the school. Um, that could also be New York. But you get what I'm saying. You know, Indiana is that, like, closet homophobe in the locker room that makes all these really gross jokes but secretly probably wants to suck a dick. Um, you know, that that's what I'm that's what I'm working on. Nice. So. <laughs> I like it. That was fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. So I, I can't wait to bring that to you guys. We also... Uh, Spoiler alert, if you check out our blog, there's a new, there will be a new short story up from this very man on the phone, Sean B, and uh, plenty of other stuff to check out, so again, thank you everyone, it has been a pleasure, Sean, you got any parting words for him? Just keep rocking and rolling, man. <laughs> I knew it.